One, welcome back to another episode of Tea Talks. This is topic four, things I wish I knew when I started. Ooh, I don't know what episode this is. This might be five. This it's either five or six. But uh, today we have Dan and we have Jen. If you could quickly just give one or two sentences about um, where you're practicing and like how long you've been practicing or your setting, that'd be great. I'd appreciate that. So I'm Dan. I work in uh, Northwest Indiana. Uh, I've been an athletic trainer since 2008, so starting my 12th year. And I work uh, in the mornings in an outpatient rehabilitation physical therapy clinic, and then contracted out to a small high school um, here out literally in the middle of Cornfields. Cool. Uh, I'm Jen. I'm currently at Utah State University. I'm a graduate student or graduate assistant here, and I was certified in 2017. And then I'm graduating this year, and I work with the volleyball team. So uh, this is actually episode six. I just looked it up on the YouTube. But uh, things I wish I knew when I started. Uh, anybody want to go first? Um, I guess I'll go first. <laughs> um, so I can't really think of anything specific right now. But my biggest thing is I wish I would have just known more of like the why we do things. Um, and one thing is that we just have so much stuff to learn that it's hard sometimes to talk about why we do things. Sometimes you just talk about what we do, um, you know, in terms of like injury evaluation and rehab, all that stuff. Right. Um, I never knew why we did a lot of things. I never knew why it was important for us to like build relationships with athletes. Like I didn't fully understand. I was like, they have to listen to us anyway. You know, why does it matter? Just do what you have to do and be done, you know, but I didn't, understand how important it was and you know that could be me not asking enough questions or you know people just not knowing that I didn't know those things I don't know <laughs> but that was that's kind of my big thing right it's like why do we do things like I always like to have a reason you know um like why on which days do we bring out ice towels for practice and which days are we not as concerned about it or something like that just even the smallest things I just kind of wish we had learned more about that as opposed to just do this because we said so or just do this because that's how it's always been done so um that's kind of what i wanted to start off with i don't have anything specific in mind yet but i was hoping we could just have a conversation of sorts about it so yeah that's fine that's fine that's fine how about you so i think for me you know i was thinking about this a little bit last night of what i was going to do i knew well there's a lot of things i wish i knew um but I think kind of in the, in the same line of, you know, developing relationships with um, uh, students, coaches, um, other healthcare professionals, you know, I, I think for me, one of the things I wish you knew, and I, I'm still learning it, so it's not like I'm a master at it, even at this point, is how do we have, especially those difficult conversations um, with especially parents and individuals that don't want to kind of go with with our treatment plan you know what we what we think is going to be best for the patient you know um i think you know as an example especially being in the secondary school setting we have so many times that we'll you know we'll talk to a parent on the sideline and be like this is what little johnny has going on this is a treatment plan they're like uh, appreciate your opinion but no that's not what we're going to do or you know, you know what ways and just kind of how to deal with that. And I think a lot of that culture is 
for me personally, in my own experience, going through my athletic training education program, we had been there and the athletic trainers had been a part of that institution. The coaches had been there so long, whatever the athletic trainer did, there's no question. You know, there was no, why do we need to do it this way? It was just, okay, whatever athletic trainer Ned said, or, you know, whatever. And even the same, even when I did my um, field experiences at some of the local high schools I had when I was going through my program, those athletic trainers had been there for a long time. They knew everybody. Nobody ever questioned. Them. So how do we kind of go about dealing with that? And how do we explain the treatment plan and explain to them why it is in the athlete's best interest to go through it this way? And then how do you do it when they don't want to comply and they don't want to do it? You know, so I think that's, for me, probably the one big thing that I think I wish I knew. And like I said, I'm not an expert at it, even at this point, 12 years mm-hmm. It's going to vary depending on individual. It's going to vary depending on circumstance. It'll vary depending on whether you're dealing with a coach versus, you know, a parent. So there's a lot of variables. So I understand why it wasn't explained, but I just, these are some things I wish we somehow had a way of being able to do to deal with those interactions. Yeah, there's there's nothing like when um, an athlete comes in and, and you diagnose them with a concussion and then you call mom or dad like 10 times and they don't answer. And then they get on the 5:30 bus, and they come in two days later, and they're like, "Oh, the emergency room said I, I'm not concussed." And you're like, "Yeah, you're concussed." And then, like, "No, I'm not concussed. Like, you cannot play. You are concussed." And you call mom and dad, and they don't answer. They go, "Oh, that's not what the doctor said in the emergency department. It's just neck pain and headaches." You're like, "Oh, nothing prepared you for that, man. Nothing." Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. Um. Yeah, I think it's interesting because we're like in different settings, but but all those things still apply. Like I, you know, I still get for the most part, it's athletes asking me questions, which is fine. But um, just me having to handle questions and concerns, and they're like, I don't want to do that, or I don't want to do this, you know, or even parents and stuff like that um, can still call you at the college level, you know, and say stuff to you. So you just have to kind of. I guess get used to that and, and stuff. And with coaches, like for me, just um, having some expectations from a coach has been really hard, you know. And I think in undergrad, they kind of just like, you'll figure it out when you get there, which is kind of true. I don't think you can really figure that out before you experience it, if that makes sense, you know. And so I think there are some things when we are older that we just can't experience until we're like out of the program or a few years into it. But um, I definitely wish we talked more about like realities of stuff as opposed to just, you know, just tell coach that this is what's going on and that's it. I mean, that's true, but a lot of them like to fight on you on things, right? So it's like just kind of knowing more realistic things would be nice. <laughs> but um, one thing I was thinking about was, uh, Oh, um, how important it is to have a community of athletic trainers around you and like friends who are athletic trainers so you can talk to them about stuff and just, you know, vent or laugh about things or be nerd about things. You know, there's just like a really big, important, that that's huge, you know, so you don't feel like you're alone and, and stuff like that. So I didn't have a lot of friends from like my undergrad program and, um, Right now I have just a few friends who are in athletic training and 
I, you know, I have Twitter friends too, but um, friends who I talk to a lot about stuff I'm concerned about or confused about, I don't have that right now and it's kind of hard. So I kind of wish that they talked about how important that was or that I knew that, I guess, or yeah. So I didn't like burn bridges when I was kind of in undergrad. So I wish I had just been better about that. The community and network is extremely important, not just from kind of a burnout perspective. And I even kind of also try and advocate that make sure you have friends that are not athletic trainers at all. Yeah. That maybe not part of healthcare in, in general. Um, for me, that's what helps with me in burnout because I can go around them and I can not talk about stuff that's work. I can go and enjoy those hobbies that have nothing to do with my job at all. And so that mm -hmm. helps balance and gets that disconnect. That way I'm not taking so much of that stuff home with me and letting it kind of fester. Um, but, and even, I'd also even recommend just from a general professional development standpoint, also having a good network of other healthcare professionals outside of athletic training to talk to as well. Um, I'm very fortunate I have um, he was actually graduated a year behind me. He was an athletic trainer, then went on to OT school. And I literally just called him a couple of weeks ago. I was like, hey, I've got this finger issue. Here's what I'm doing. like. Do you have any other tips? Do you, I mean, what are you kind of doing for those kind of things? So I think that also kind of helps to kind of balance and kind of develop that interprofessional relationship, that interprofessional experience. So yes, we need to have athletic trainers because nobody knows our world better than other athletic trainers. But I also think that there is definitely value in having good networks and good relationships and good just personal interactions with other professions, especially, you know, your team physicians and, and other areas of medicine, I think are going to be very valuable for you as an individual, but also for your clinical practice. And I agree 100% because like a major gap in my knowledge is like post-surgical rehabilitation. And I just had my first ACL. She had surgery probably two weeks ago, and I'll probably see her in the next month or so. And besides just blank doctor orders, I don't have too much of experience to go off of. So it's really nice when you can contact people like Dan, who I know is in the physical therapy setting. Like, yeah. hey, what do you guys like to do for people in that first or second month? Or what, what tips or tricks do you have? Or what exercises is great for activating those uh, that inner quad that usually shuts down and how to get the glutes firing so uh, you know without those relationships those networks are just kind of on an island and that's not a good place to be as a medical provider yeah that makes a lot of sense and, and actually um something that that just made me think about how we all have different strengths and weaknesses um as clinicians and um for me post-surgical rehab is also kind of for me i'm like ah. Eh. I've never really done it like on my own before. So, you know, that's definitely tough, but I have really big passion for like maintenance rehab and like injury reduction and that kind of stuff. And, you know, more things like relating to mus muscle injuries. Um, I just am really interested in that. Um, but definitely um, I didn't realize how much of athletic training was like management of people sometimes and communication and a lot of stuff that I'm not, I would say as, as like, I'm not super great with that kind of stuff sometimes. Um, so I, 
kind of wish I had known that there was more to this than just like rehab stuff, you know, which is like, I'm not saying I wouldn't do it. I'm just saying like, I didn't realize just how much there was until I, you know, had been out of undergrad for a while. I was like, crap. <laughs> like oh even last week, I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't even think about how much this was about like building relationships with athletes and yeah. doing stuff. So just... Well, I- I think it's hard yeah. to see outside those blinders because when you're in school, it's just like clinical skill, clinical skill. You need to get ready for the BOC and you not eval. And then you get into the real world. And I, I like to jokingly say that only 10% of my job is medical and the other 90% is not medical. So when you when you have those blinders on, it's hard to see how, how big those soft skills or you know undervalued skills are. I think that's something we all fall into. What do you think about that, Dad? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we we are not, you know, engineers. We're just working with inanimate objects. We're working with, with human beings with real issues going on, not just with whatever condition injury that they're seeing us for, but just life life in general. I mean, if you think about all the stuff, especially those who are students, you know, all their exams that they have, all their finals, on top of the rigors of maintaining, especially the collegiate setting you know, team meetings, team dinners, team weights, team practice, you know, all that stuff. And then their own individual relationship issues with boyfriend, girlfriend, parents, you know, what have you. So, and that's not necessarily just a unique thing to athletic training. I mean, we all do. Anybody that deals with people, those are all things that that's universal. That's why most hospital systems that I've worked with in my career, they, every employee for the healthcare system goes through this kind of onboarding process and it's usually like a one-day session on um, personal interactions and how to deal with, with relationships and that kind of customer service you know kind of aspect from taking you know business terminology into it um those take a huge priority i mean even look at some of the research on pain so much of pain is purely on that individual's circumstances, whatever's been going on, it plays a huge role into their perception of pain and how they, they interact and how they deal with that pain. So that's definitely something that we have to be kind of and be kind of aware of. And you know, as we've been kind of sitting here kind of talking, I'm, I'm kind of wondering if some of these kind of soft skills, so to speak, however you want to talk about it, um, relationships, being around, dealing with difficult situations, you know, with the new um, education model for the newer athletic trainers that are coming out there with being that entry level master's program and starting to have more of that clinical immersion experience where you are literally there, like you don't have classroom, you're you're there, you're with your preceptor or whatever. You know, I kind of wonder if that's kind of the wisdom behind that, give them more experience to those things rather than just being, you know, for my example, when I was going through, I was just at, you know, contract that location for, you know, four hours that day and that, that was it. Um, you know, is that clinical immersion process hopefully going to get them into seeing not just what our world is really like in the trenches, in the actual realm of it, but also seeing a little bit more of those personal interactions. And does that clinical immersion kind of help prepare you a little bit better, more efficiently, more effectively as a clinician? I think that's kind of our hope. Um, I guess we'll just kind of see what happens with it. but. Um, I think it kind of help with the newer athletic trainers coming out there. Just my personal 
opinion. I didn't think about that. That's a really cool point of view. Um, I think, um, I know, let's see, three people I'm working with right now who are from an entry level master's program. and They're all really mature and smart and composed, I would say, at least on the outside. <laughs> and they're able to just, yeah, help me a lot. They're like super helpful with things and they are really friendly and awesome to talk to. And I think there is that like, you know, you're, you're a little bit more mature when you're going through the program as opposed to like 18 or 19 when you start, you're like 21, 22, you know, which I think is a, a big deal. And, um, yeah, I just, I think that's really important. And I also see that a lot of the entry level programs are talking a lot more about soft skills. I mean, I'm not in one, but you know, things I see on Twitter and things I see people talking about just seems like they're more about like growing as an athletic trainer, not just as a like student and how smart can you be and stuff like that, which is still important. Obviously you still want good grades, but um, I think there's that other aspect that people are talking about more. So I think that's cool. Yeah. And I think it's a very delicate balance <laughs> from a, um, coming from a program where they, they want to get you some knowledge on, on that side of things, the softer side or, um, Nick Spangler calls them essential skills, but then they also, they need to prepare you for the BOC and that's, you know, that's knowledge and hard skills. So it's like, it, it's a delicate balance walking a fine line. Cause I feel like in all these videos, we kind of poo poo on programs for not showing us so much of the other side, but two, two or four years is you can only get so much knowledge in there. And there's yeah. been a lot of skills for athletic training and those skills have been growing for the last 10 years. You know, like what do you do all right is there anything else we wish we knew before we started or when we started or when we were a student like a year and a half ago <sighs> i can't think of anything going twice yeah i can't think of anything off the top of my head so all right well dan and jen thanks for coming <laughs> For topic four things i wish i knew when i started episode six i don't know what topic five is yet but I will invite you guys back and I hope you come on. Thank you for your time on the Saturday and have a great rest of your weekend. All right. Cool. Thanks.